Worship leaders, worship musicians, and techs. Does your church have a poverty spirit around its worship team or tech team? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to talk about a problem that is so well ingrained in the American church that we kind of take it for granted and we treat it like a default, and that is the poverty spirit. So I'll get to that in a second, but first I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free guide called 25 Chart Topping Arrangement Tricks. If you're a worship team or a worship leader and you have a song that's okay but you wish had another gear, download this free PDF. It gives you 25 great ideas on how to make your song more interesting. It gives you a couple of sentences about why that trick works. And then it gives you a song from the radio so that you can hear the trick in action. Again, go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. All right, let's talk about the poverty spirit. So there are two spirits that often afflict worship teams and tech teams, and they are the poverty spirit and the welfare spirit. The poverty spirit keeps you from seeing resources and assets and options around you to build. The welfare spirit convinces you that everything that you need comes from outside of you and that you need other people to resource you in some way. So let me share a couple of examples. In a typical worship team that you might actually think is healthy, right, that looks good from the outside, you'll have a guitar player that is playing with pedals and patches that he got from his hero, you know, in the worship community. Uh, the synth player will be playing on a patch downloaded from another website. Everybody has their in-ears in and is playing to a click track and multi-tracks which they purchased from a website. Everybody is reading off of charts that they got from another website. And here's the big one. Everyone is singing and playing a song that they did not write. Somebody else, some other big church recorded it and released it, and this worship team is simply buying the rights. That attitude of somebody else resourcing your worship team is so ingrained that we actually defend it. We think, well, of course we're going to do that because everybody needs to know the song because it gets played on the radio and everybody knows the song. How could we sing a song that the community doesn't know? And so if that song already exists, well, all of these other products exist as well. And so why not just buy them for a faster turnaround so that in a week, we could sound like X, Y, and Z. And when it comes to the use of backing tracks, one of the things that you often hear is, well, we're enhancing worship. We want it to have that full sound so that we're giving the the congregation a perfect platform to worship God. Or they'll say, well, then you can keep the quality and the excellence, which, you know, we need to give God excellence in our worship. You can keep the excellence up regardless of the personnel from week to week. And in the summer, (laughs) that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? The problem with that kind of approach is that you're putting all of your emphasis on a product and not a process. Here's what I mean. The product includes a lot of things. It's the song, it's the chart, it's the tracks, and it's even the full sound that we talk so much about that we want our congregation to have. All of that is product, but the process is how you got there. The process is the unpacking, both of your own talents and of the talents of your team. The process is learning how to write a song, learning how to play an instrument, or learning how to sing, learning how to play as a band, which is its own skill. 
or learning how to run sound and how to EQ and use a compressor. All of that is process. That's all the stuff that people don't see on a Sunday morning, and it takes time, but it is so much more valuable than just the product. Unfortunately, we have such a short view. We're like, okay, how can I get things better by Sunday that we don't think about the process. We just think, okay, where are my finished products? Where's my multi-tracks? Where's my guitar player who already knows how to do all the stuff and has got his act together? Where are my singers that are polished and don't need any help? Where are all my products? And so then if you see lack, if you see something that you want that you don't have, you're always looking for products. You're always looking for quick fixes rather than having a long-term process in mind. One of the hallmarks of a welfare or a poverty spirit is that you start to clench your fists around the resources that you do have and you start to see scarcity and you're so worried about what you might lose that you forget about what you might gain and what you already have and how to expand resources. So in the case of a worship leader, it would be that attitude, my best drummer or my best bass player just moved out of town. Oh, why did they do that to me? For tech teams, it shows up in a little bit different way and that's hoarding knowledge and expertise. So I've talked with a lot of worship leaders, and as a result, I've heard a lot of war stories. One tech team had such a toxic atmosphere that the techs wouldn't get out a wedge monitor to use on stage for their singers. Not because they couldn't, but because they didn't want to be bothered to go and get it out of storage and put it onto the stage. It even got so bad that they wouldn't move it for their head pastor where he wanted it to be. On another occasion, I heard of a tech who would actually unplug the XLR cables from the back of the soundboard when it wasn't in use. He was so defensive and so insecure in his own abilities, he had to be needed by the church. So that meant he actively sabotaged the soundboard so that he was the only one who had the power. The soundboard didn't belong to him, it belonged to the church. Those were not his assets, it wasn't his to destroy and then put back together again. And yet that's exactly what he did because he was so insecure and had to be needed so much. But let me tell you a story about a sound tech who did it the right way. I have a friend who's a sound tech at a large church, but that's not his main job. He owns his own business and it is a sound installation and design company. So he designs and installs sound systems for other companies and churches. Well, when he runs sound at his church, he is always looking around for new hires but not finished products, not people who are ready. What he does is he goes to the youth group and he looks for kids who have promise. Maybe they're gamers. Maybe they like taking stuff apart. And he sees it inside of them and he says, hey, I bet you would be good at sound. Would you like to be involved in our tech team? So he trains them. He shows them the basics. How do you wrap cables? How do you move speakers? How do you stay safe? How do you use an EQ and a compressor? And he has them learn in the youth group with the youth group band. Then, eventually, he starts to bring them slowly into the adult services, which are much larger. He has them work behind the scenes, doing all of the tasks so they get used to everything that is involved with sound. Eventually, he has them run sound for minor events in the big hall. Plus, he shows them how this can be a career with or without college. He shows them how to get certified, he introduces them to the right people, and then he hires them. So these kids that he took in middle school now become experts in their field. And guess what? He expects them to exceed him in knowledge in certain areas. 
So I've been in conversation with him and ask him a question about something that he knows a little bit about, but not a lot. And he'll get on the phone and he'll call his XYZ guy and he'll say, hey, you're my XYZ guy. Do you know more about this piece of software or do you know more about this soundboard than I do? He is so confident in his own abilities that he expects the people that work for him to exceed him in areas of expertise. And that means he's pushed out the boundaries of what his team is able to do. That is the opposite of the poverty and welfare spirit. He has such an abundance mentality about him that he loves to train people and grow them up and even watch them leave because he's not intimidated. He's not afraid of what he might lose. He's always thinking about what he might gain and how he can unpack somebody else's gift. So let's take a look at your own church. And let's start with the soundboard because that's pretty easy to tell. If you walk back to the sound booth and just feel the vibes, you know, look at the interactions between people, how does it work? Is your sound tech like that sound tech? Is he have a team of people that he's training and that it's a happy place to be. It's fun because there's the excitement of learning new things. Or when you walk back to the soundboard, is there one curmudgeon who's the only guy who knows how things work? Maybe he has a couple of friends or family members, but pretty much you don't want to hang out in the soundboard because you might get yelled at. Let's go to the front of the stage and look at the worship leader. When was the last time your worship leader trained somebody new to do what he's doing? Do they give lessons or know somebody who could give lessons? Are they able to push out resources? Are they scared of somebody else exceeding them in a certain area or would they welcome that? That tells you if you have a poverty mindset or a welfare mindset on your worship team or in your tech team. And finally, is your worship team or tech team captivated by process or products? If they're captivated by products, it's easy to tell. They're waiting around for the next worship album to come out so that they can get the charts and the multi-tracks and the patches and the slides that go along with it so that they can sound like the big boys in a week. But if they're captivated by process, they're interested in growth. And they're not only interested in growth musically, but also relationally, because that's a huge component of what it means to play as a team. So run that assessment on yourself and on your team. Because of our American culture, there is a lot of pressure to default to product, consumerism. But how do you push against that? Well, if you're a singer, do you play piano? Probably a good idea to get started on that right now so that you can be more well-rounded than only a singer that doesn't understand other aspects of music. Singers often have trouble with their timing. So, not just half notes, whole notes, and quarter notes, but have you gone deep? Have you learned an instrument or learned enough notation to read eighth notes or sixteenth notes? That will make your singing better. If you're a worship leader who leads from acoustic guitar, have you learned any piano? Have you learned any bass? The bass is the foundational instrument in the band. I would say even more so than drums. And you could learn it in six months to a year if you bought a cheap bass, a couple of books, and got some lessons. I guarantee that. What about chord theory? If you're an acoustic guitar player and you play a G, do you know what the names of the notes are that you're playing? Have you gone deep and learned a little bit about how chord structure works so that you could do it for yourself? Have you ever written an original worship song? Even a bad one. And if you wrote a bad worship song, did you stop or did you keep going? Maybe you have an acoustic guitar player who's transitioned to electric. Do they really know how to play their electric guitar? It's a good question. I have these resources on my website. I have one online course for electric guitar, and I have another for songwriting. And there's plenty of other resources out there. 
Have you availed yourself of them? Have you looked around to see how you could grow and how you could grow your people? If you do that, you are pushing against the consumerism, welfare, poverty mindset that says everything I need is outside of me. Now, you probably have quite a lot in you that needs to be unpacked and refined. And guess what? The mark of maturity is that you're actually able to do that for other people as well. Or do you sit and complain that you don't have the finished products around you? Hey, I need a guitar player, I need a bass player, I need a drummer, and I don't have that. Well, God actually expects you to build a team, and that might mean that you have to build some people as well. But there's a lot more fulfillment that comes out of building a team than just buying a product and playing with the multitracks every week. So start. Start pushing back against poverty, welfare, consumerism mindset, and start building. Hey, I hope that video helps you. And again, there are free resources on my website, one of which is that 25 chart topping arrangement tricks. So go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.